You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I want to teach this morning on winning big in life, and I don't say that to talk about success per se. I'm talking about winning big in your faith. And one of the keys to winning big in your faith is you have to develop faith in the victory that Christ has given us. And I love what Jesus said. He was approached by some religious leaders. And they said, to, they said well, when, when are you coming back? Or when is, when, is the, when is the kingdom of God coming and all that? And he said this to him. He said, don't look for it in outward observation. He said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, he said that because the kingdom of God was in Jesus. Now, after he paid the price on the cross, resurrected up, praise God, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured on the church, and the kingdom of God has come within every believer that confesses Christ as their Savior. There's something about developing that faith that will alter and change your life. You need victory in your marriage, this, these truths will help you. You need victory in your finances, these truths will help you. In other words, Jesus came so that we could have dominion here in this life with a kingdom that is invisible but is inside of us that is able to overcome many of the obstacles that we're experiencing in our life today. So with that in mind, I want you to take a look at the screen here. And this is in Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 43. If you've got your Bible, you can read that as well. And I want you, this is a very powerful verse because it reveals to us why Jesus came. And it says this, but he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to others. Say it, say it with me, I must. Preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Now this is what's remarkable about this. This is revealing why the Father sent Jesus into the world. He sent it in the world so that he would preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a territory. It's invisible, but it's a territory that when the kingdom of God is within you, there's dominion within your life. In other words, the kingdom of God is what was lost in the beginning when Adam fell. Adam didn't fall from heaven. He fell from dominion. God gave him dominion over creation itself, and that's what he fell from. And when Jesus was sent into the world by the Father, it was to regain to us or redeem us back to what the original uh, intent was, and that was that we would have dominion in this life. I'm talking about dominion over your flesh, dominion over your money, dominion over the life that we're living in, and so that Christ can live big in your life. See, the word there for purpose, if you go back in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, it also means to counsel. In other words, what God did in the very beginning is he had a meeting with himself to determine why he wanted to create man, determine why he wanted to send Jesus into the world. And in that meeting, his purpose was that he would be able to preach the kingdom of God and restore men back to the original state that God had called them to. Can you say amen, everybody? In fact, write this down for reference in Psalms 115, verse 16. It says that the heavens belong to the Lord and the earth belongs to, to the sons of men. Now, what that's basically saying is that heaven is God's territory, but the earth 
is our territory. Here's what God designed. He said, I'm going to create a family here on this earth through Adam. This family then is going to be invested with the Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to rule or rule through the family that I put on this earth like I rule in heaven. That's why Jesus said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when you come to Christ, what God has done is impart the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can rule in this life over sin, over sickness and disease, over financial problems, over all those problems to glory. In other words, God wants what's happening in heaven to begin to happen here in, in this earth. Now, in the Old Testament, it was referred to as the days of heaven upon this earth where the blessings of heaven are in your marriage blessings of heaven are raising your children the blessings are there well that, that's that's what's so powerful about this verse because most people they say jesus came to die for our sins and be resurrected that's true but that's not the main reason the main reason is so that god could restore man's dominion again the means by which he did that was the cross and the resurrection. Hallelujah. Without that, there is no dominion because God had to pay for the sins that we had in our life, and Christ did that. Can you say amen? amen? And so when I talk about the kingdom today, I'm talking about redeeming you from what was lost in the beginning. God never wanted you to be under the control of this world system. God never wanted you to be controlled by a sin. God never wanted you to be controlled by lack and poverty and disease and famine and wars and, and rumors. Of, he never wanted you to be controlled by that. He wants the church to rise up and say, all right, Christ is reigning in my life. I can, I can get God's blessing in my marriage. I can get God's blessing in my finances. I can get God's blessing in my body and begin to glorify God and change the society and the culture we are in. We're to be a light on a hill that you can't miss. The church should be that much of an impact. We're to be the salt of the earth. Amen. Salt, come on. So what does salt do? It, it creates a thirst. The church should be creating a thirst for the, in the world where the world goes, I want this God that you serve. The world's throwing me bad apples. I want the, I want the gospel. I want what you have. I want the joy. I want the peace. I oh, praise God. I, Now, I'm going to give you one of the means by which this is acquired. And you won't like what I'm going to preach. This part. <laughs> Amen. But in order for God to accomplish these things in your, in your life, you have to believe in faith. Amen? But here's what a lot of people don't realize. Everybody's faith has to be tested before God will entrust to them the manifold blessings that God wants you to have. In other words, there has to be a testing of one's faith that proves you're willing, you're willing to believe when you're down as well as when you're up. You're willing to believe when you've got pain. And when you don't have pain, you're willing to believe when there's fear there and you're trembling, whatever. You're still willing to believe and act on the Word of God. You, you got to have, you have to pass the test of your faith. And you see this in Scripture. Some people don't pass the test. Remember the first generation that Moses led in? Only two of them went into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Why is that? Because 
In the story, we find that God tested their faith. Remember, he fed them with manna, and, and Moses said, God's doing this to test you to see if you'll obey him. Because he said, I only want you to eat enough for, for that day. Don't store it up. And they went ahead and disobeyed him. And then when they sent in the 12 spies and the bad report came back, they all joined with the bad report and they failed the major exam. And because of that, they weren't able to go into the promised land. You're going into the promised land. I said, you're going into the promised land. But your faith is going to be tested. Going to be tested. Think about it for a minute. Jesus, the word becomes flesh. No sin in Jesus' life. Only one that could do that because he was born of a virgin. But he had to be tested just like we're tested. The Bible said that when John baptized him in water, it said the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. And he said, the scripture says he had the spirit without measure. I don't know if you knew the significance of that. In other words, you couldn't limit the amount of the influence of the Holy Spirit in his life. It was just unlimited. And it says this, that after that happened, Jesus didn't heal somebody. He didn't cast out a devil. He didn't turn the water into wine. He didn't do anything at that point. It says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In other words, he had to be proven first before God empowered him with the power of the Spirit. And it says it returned in the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Once his faith successfully resisted the temptations and the doubt and all the shortcuts of going to the cross, as soon as he did that, he came out and it said he returned to the power of the Spirit. And then his faith was tested again. And then you see the first person that he cast a demon out of him. Say amen, praise amen. God. You're just, you know, don't get upset. You're just, you're just under a test. You're under a test, but if you pass the test and don't give up and keep believing God, God will eventually come through and manifest to you what you need in your life. And faith is like that. You know, how many remember when you first got married? It was easy. She said, oh, he's such a lovely guy. He's so sweet. I love him so much. And you left the pile of clothes there, and she said, oh, he's just the way he is. And, 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 and that, that lasts for about a week. And now there's a test. For better, for worse, for rich or poor. Now is a test. Am I going to just stay happy? Still stay forgiving? Everything's a test. But if you will be faithful at obeying God, God will entrust you with more blessings. Never, never, never entrust yourself to anyone who has not been proven faithful in their faith. In other words, never put a young'un in charge of leadership because their faith has never been tested. They got to they be faithful with a little thing, on and off, on and off, on and off, when they don't feel like it, when they feel like it, when they're criticized, when they're not criticized. God does not entrust to people who have not been proven in the faith. Amen? Now watch this. I want you to see something from this. When Joyce and I first got married, one of the things that was the most difficult wasn't forgiving people. I didn't have anybody really hurt me that much, so it was pretty easy. But there was an area that I really had to struggle with, and that was tithing. I never heard tithing before, and we were so broke 
We didn't have the money to pay the, the mortgage payment, let alone give 10% on it. But I want you to see what God was doing back then in those days. God, how many know that God owns everything you have? He owns your house. He owns your shoes. He owns your, come on, your makeup. Come on, he owns your fake eyelashes. He owns it all. Isn't that right? I mean, it all came from him, right? All we're doing is tapping into him. So, so when God ministers this 10% thing, uh, think about, he, he's, he gives you everything that you have, and he says, I want you to take 10% of what I give you, so that leaves you 90%. Now, I don't know about you, but 90% is a whole lot more than 10%. Isn't it? In fact, I've never went to a restaurant yet that I tipped the person 10%. I start at 20 and if I feel rich that day, it goes up to 22. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And so God's doing that. Now, why is he doing that? Because he wants you to be proven with little. Yeah. Yeah. If you can be faithful with little, then God increases your 90%. And then if you can be faithful with a bigger 90%, he'll increase you even more. He'll increase you more. And this message is not about money. But I wanted to use that illustration because it really caught my spirit. But what about in your marriage? You know, husbands want their wives to trust them. Wives want to be able to trust their husbands. The way you develop trust is to be faithful with little. With little. Were you there for in the little situations in your life? Were you there for when she was emotionally distressed? Were you, were you there for your husband when he needed someone to pick him up? Come on. And when you do that, all of a sudden, the trust begins to develop within that couple, and it makes them strong. Now, Joyce and I, we've been married 50 years. It's because I married her when we were two. <laughs> I trust her, but I don't trust her simply because the Bible says to trust her. I trust her because I've had years and 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 years, I don't want to go too far here, where she was reliable. Amen? But some people, they're not reliable in some areas. And they wonder why no one will trust them in it. Hallelujah. Is there any reason why it's getting quiet right now? Does that mean something's going on inside of our life here? Praise God. But that's what we need to teach our kids. That's what we need to demonstrate ourselves. And that's what you need to do with God. If God speaks to you today and says, I want you to develop a prayer life. I want you to pray every Sunday or every day before you go to work. Then you're going to have to get up some days when you don't feel like it. And you're going to need to pray. Or you may commit here at the church to do something. Don't, don't, don't just do it when it's convenient. Do it when it's not convenient. In other words, show yourself faithful little. When I started in the faith, I, was, I, I, I went to the pastor and said, I'll do anything you want me to do. They had me getting women to work in the nursery. It was so bad when I walked into the foyer, the women scattered. I did that. I did construction on the church. I vacuumed the floors. I did every possible thing that I could, and I was faithful with little. They didn't ask me to speak. They didn't want to hear me preach, praise God. I was just too new and too 
uninformed. But I tell you what, I did the little. You do the little. You do the little. I said, God, I'm faithful at this. I'm faithful at my job. I'm not just coming late and leaving early. I come early and leave late. I'm faithful. I know my boss is an idiot, but I'm faithful because I'm doing my work as unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I say that. You may have a boss that's really good, whatever. But I want you to see this principle then, that we need to be faithful with the little in our lives. In other words, my faith has to be proven in an area before God will entrust to me more. Why would the scripture say, count it all joy when you fall into trials? Because if you read in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, he says, because your faith is being tested so that patience has its perfect work. In other words, as you're patient, God not only brings to pass what you're believing God for, but he then says, I can entrust you with this and this and this because you've proven faithful in a little. Come on, let's give God praise this morning. That is so good. That will transform you, that will change you, and that will bring you to a place. Now, here's something that I want you to remember when it comes to your faith. Never put your faith on the miracle. Put your faith on the one that creates the miracle. Miracles sometimes will only be done one way in your life, one time. Last time I checked, Peter only walked on the water one time. Amen. He didn't start walking on the water ministries. He walked on the water one time. Only one time did Jesus pay Peter's taxes by going fishing and finding a coin in the mouth. So he didn't say, I'm starting a new ministry, how to pay my taxes, we're going fishing. He didn't put his faith in the miracle, he put his faith in the one that created the miracles. Don't put your faith in the miracle, put your faith in the one. Well, Jesus did miracles, they were all for one purpose, so that they would trust him. They would put their faith in him. If you do that, you're going to be in good shape. Here's what a lot of people do. They go to God, they're in crisis, they're believing God, they're struggling with this, they're struggling with that, and they want this to happen, and, and, and they're just, and they're believing it, and then the miracle comes. I, you know, I'm just believing God for a million plus for retirement. And then you get to the place, you get the million, million plus, and then you think it's all done. That's it. God provided for me, I can just cruise. No, that's not, how you, that's not how you live by faith. When you live by faith, you keep having your faith in the creator, not in that money. It could be there one day and it could be God the next day. What you got to do is put your faith in the one that gives you the money, not the money itself, not the home itself, not the stocks itself, but God himself. And when you do that, you will find yourself secure. Look at this verse, Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, that seems like a bad deal. My goodness, you gotta, you got to give everything away to get the kingdom? Here's what he's trying to tell you. That when you give everything you have away to gain the kingdom, Within the kingdom is everything that you might ever need in life. 
In other words, if you need healing, it's in the kingdom. If you need a good marriage, it's in the kingdom. If you need, come on, a, a, a good new identity, it's in the kingdom. Amen. Whatever you need is in the kingdom. That's why you can give up everything and follow God and have everything that you need because it's all in the kingdom. Every need that you might need, everything that you might need in your life. I need more patience. I need more love. It's all in the kingdom. Praise God. So sell out. Sell out. Because everything that you need that pertains to life is in the kingdom of God. And when you got Christ, you got everything you need to pay your bills. You got everything you need to work out those marriage problems. Listen to me carefully. There's no such thing as failure in the kingdom. You do never have to fail. You never have to fail in your marriage. You never have to fail in your finances. You never have to fail at anything because within the kingdom is everything that you need. The wisdom, the power, the anointing to get the breakthrough you need in your life. It's all within that. And I love that because it keeps you Christ-centered. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that may sound contrary, but it's true. Never seek things. Things are never the end result. God's will is the end result. Things like money is a means to fulfilling God's will, but they're not the end result. Things are nothing more, cars and boats, they're nothing more than tools or means by which one can accomplish God's will. That's all they are. If you get it twisted, you start to put your trust in your house that's paid for. You start putting your trust in your money marketing. You start putting your trust in the company that you work for. And all that can change at a moment. But what can never change is the kingdom of God. It's unshakable. Come on, it's unshakable. To give you an example of this, and you see the, the extent of it in Jesus, is he never was concerned about what he would eat or whatever, because he knew everything was in the kingdom. You remember one day he was, had 5,000 people, 5,000 men with their ki kids and so forth, 15,000 people, wouldn't go home and they were hungry. So a little boy comes with two fishes and five loaves. You know what Jesus did? He lifted it up towards the Father and said, Father, I thank you. What was he thanking him for? The provision the kingdom had already provided. And he handed it out and it multiplied 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 until there was 12 baskets full of loaves and fish. And these were not leftovers. These were fully fishes by themselves and loaves by themselves. It was not leftovers that God showed his disciples. In fact, later, they forgot to bring bread and they were concerned about it. And Jesus said, have you forgotten have you forgotten that the kingdom provides everything you need? Have you forgotten that I, that I took two fish and five loaves and fed 15,000 people? Have you forgotten that? You may not see it, but you have a kingdom that's invisible. And everything that you need, opportunities, everything's in there. And if you need to bring it to pass, the kingdom can bring it to pass. You're never, ever in a place you need to worry. Amen. Seek first the kingdom 
and all these other things shall be added to you and his righteousness. That's awesome, isn't it? Now, can I take you a little bit deeper here? I mean, I, you know, I try to keep the message as simple as possible, but I can't help it. I'm consumed by this. Look at this verse, Matthew 16, 28. I want you to see this. Listen to this statement. When we read it, your first, your first thought is probably this. Well, how can that be? Because it's telling us there's someone going to be alive when Jesus returns during Jesus' time. And we know no one was raptured back then, so notice what it says. Surely I say unto you that there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. He's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about Pentecost. He's talking about when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, when the kingdom comes here. He's not talking about the rapture. Now, don't take from me that I don't believe in the rapture. I do believe in the rapture, and I do believe that there's going to be a physical kingdom on this earth. There's a time when the kingdom that is on this earth becomes the kingdom of God. I, I believe that. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the kingdom of God will come. And here's the crazy thing about it. If you read the next chapter, first seven verses, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, people that were the closest to Jesus, takes them up on the Mount of Transfiguration is what we call it. He goes up there and the glory cloud falls. Now, I've seen the glory clouds. I know I, I have a little bit of an idea what it's like. And the glory cloud falls and they see Elijah and Moses, significant. Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. Remember this statement Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them? This experience is to show them the end of what had been going on from Genesis all to Malachi. The law and the prophets. See, the law, what did the law do? The law pointed out to everybody that you couldn't get saved by your own efforts, that you needed a sacrifice. That's what the law did. Amen? The prophets spoke and told you what you had to do to, to receive the blessing because of sin in your life. That was from Genesis all the way to Malachi. That's what it was. And here, Jesus is manifesting, and there is this Elijah and Moses talking, probably talking about, boy, we finished our course. We finished, we finished what the assignment that God gave us. And all of a sudden, Jesus lights up, and he gets bright. And Peter, being dumb old Peter, he said, let me build a house, because he didn't want to change. He didn't want, he didn't want to step into the new dispensation that Jesus is going to do. And all of a sudden, everything lifts, everything's gone, and... The only one left is Jesus. And a voice says, listen to him. In other words, the old dispensation is over. The kingdom is no longer coming. It's come. The kingdom is no longer something that prophesied that one day the Messiah would come. The Messiah has come and he is here right now. I want you to listen to him because he is going to redeem you from what you lost in the fall. That's, that's awesome. And they went down off the mountain with that knowledge. And Jesus said, don't tell anybody yet because the spirit of God had not yet been poured out. But that was the revelation. The kingdom had arrived. 
We're no longer trying to get saved. Now we get saved by believing on Christ. We're no longer striving to enter in to the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. Because Jesus was my obedience. Jesus was my holiness. Jesus was my sanctification. Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus paid the ultimate price for me. Jesus suffered in the gates of hell for me. Jesus. And I've received that. Now the kingdom of God comes inside of me. Now the ability of God to reign in my life is inside of me spiritually. And whatever I'm believing for, dealing with, and I'm not preaching this to make it, make it oh, it's, it's not a struggle. It is a struggle. You've got to develop faith for all these things. But that's the potential of the new creation in Christ Jesus. That God not only causes you to be a new creation, he can create a new home, create a new marriage, create a new career. He can create all of that if one would dare to believe. That'd be good if we give God praise right now. That'd be, that, that, that would be awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. There's such power in that. That's why he says there'll be some alive at, during Jesus' time. They will do that. They will actually see the kingdom of God manifested on this earth. That happened at Pentecost when the Spirit of God fell. It happened when the apostles started doing miracles. It happened. They saw the kingdom of God operating through these people who believed in Christ. And they had to have the Spirit. They weren't just with Jesus who had the Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit inside of them because the Holy Spirit will not come in an unclean vessel. Jesus was a clean vessel. Because of him, God pours his Spirit inside of us. Now, I want you to just write this down. 2 Samuel 7, 1. I want to show you something from this. The Old Testament, like I said, it speaks of Christ coming. It's all about Christ. Uh, when you read 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, it's all chronological on the different kingdoms that existed down there and so forth. Don't make it into more than it is. It speaks about Christ. The prophets spoke about Christ coming. And when Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it, you know what he's saying? Everything they said that was coming is here now, and I've paid the price for your healing. I've paid the price for your prosperity. I've paid the price for your marriage. I've paid the price for your children. I've paid the price on that cross. And now in me, it is all available in Christ Jesus. Come on. That's awesome. And one of the verses I love is 2 Samuel 7, 1, because... It talks about kingdoms, and the kingdom that he talks about is David's throne. And how many know that Jesus, it tells us, is going to rule on the throne of David? Now, here's the thing about the throne of David in comparison to the throne of Saul. Saul never had all of his enemies defeated. David did. Because David's throne is a type of the throne of Christ. You remember Saul, he was in a battle and he knew he was going to lose. 
And he asked one of the soldiers, I want you to run me through with your sword. He wouldn't do it, and so he fell on his sword. He committed suicide rather than be captured by their enemies. David, it says, that God caused all of his enemies to be subdued. All of his enemies to be conquered. And it said that David sat down on his throne in rest. Jesus sat down on high with, with come on, the devil under his feet. That's how he sat down. The feet of the devil. And the same analogy is used in the Old Testament when it talks about, you remember when God spoke to the serpent and the woman and he said, her seed shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. Oh, praise God. The Bible said Jesus was bruised for iniquity and the chastisement of the peace was upon him and by his stripe we were healed. Paul said in the Roman Empire, and you think that our government has problems, the Roman Empire was worse and Paul said that God is soon going to, to crush or put the, oh, glory to God. Going to put that under your feet. And we know that happened around 80, 90. In other words, no government is stronger than Christ. I said no government is stronger than Christ. No government can, can overcome the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can't be shook. The kingdom of God doesn't vote on legislation on what should be law. The kingdom of God is governed by a king. In his name is God the Father, and the implementer is Christ Jesus. We don't need to vote on what is morally right. The king says this is it. You can't, as a majority, decide, oh, no, 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 no. I, don't, I think this should be legal. No, no. In God's eyes, it's wrong. God never got confused about what we are made of, whether we were a male or a female. He never got that confused, praise God. I'm not trying to be political. I don't want to get political here. But my Bible gives me what God considers acceptable behavior and what isn't. If you're living contrary to the word, then I'm not here to judge you. Unless you get in the church, then I'm going to deal with you. Because we, we live by God's laws. Hallelujah. There's not a nation in the world that doesn't operate from the majority of the Ten Commandments. You can't kill your neighbor. You can't steal your neighbor's wife. Come on. But where we get off thinking we can create our own laws is out of, completely out of your mind. That's why kingdoms that do that are shaken and shaken and shaken and shaken and shaken until they're destroyed. Only the kingdom of God can survive the shaking. Let me show you the power in this. I'm going to show you one last verse because I want to show you that you are determining when Jesus is coming back. I know I say that, you go, no, pastor, you're out of your mind. God's the one that determines when Jesus comes back. No, I'm going to prove to you that you're the one that determines when Jesus comes back. Okay. Remember Peter said that we can hasten his return? If you can hasten his return, you can make him come back quicker or you can delay it, right? If you have the power to do that. But let me show it to you in Scripture. Look up in the Scripture. And because of lawlessness... Will abound the love of many, will grow cold. How many have sensed that in our culture? Wow. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now watch this next part. 
And this gospel, what gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. Of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, this has to happen first. And I'll tell you, I, want, I hate to be negative and sad, but the gospel is not being preached everywhere. It's not being preached. Sure, things are being preached, but I'm talking about the gospel, that Christ came to redeem us from the fall and to give us the victory back that was lost. The power of God's not preached the way it should in the church. And it said the end will not come until every nation, neos, culture, tribe. You know, you go this one culture, that. I, I love it because we have a multicultural church we prayed for. I love it because every culture has certain gifts and talents and whatever. And it says the end will come until everybody hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me show it to you. You remember when God told Noah to build an ark? That was powerful, wasn't it? Now, we know it took 120 years to build the ark. And notice, remember what happened. It wasn't until the ark was finished and sealed up that it started raining. Who caused the rain? God, right? But it didn't start until Noah had finished his assignment. He could have finished it in 20 years if he had a crew of people to help him. Or it could have taken him 150 years rather than 120 years. And God would have waited and said, well, I can't do it until he finishes. He's not done yet. Once he finishes, then I'm going to cause it to start raining. Then water's going to come up from the deep. Then it's going to rain and there's going to be a flood over the world. He, but it's not going to start until he finishes. The church has got to finish the work. We got to finish the work. We don't need any more holy huddles. What we need to do is start reaching out and say, listen to your neighbor. Listen, God can deliver you. In fact, Jesus came to get back to your dominion that was lost. Don't you know if you come to Christ, you can win back your family. You can win back your marriage. You can win back your children. Don't you know that you can break through the barriers and the mountains in your life? If you just come to Jesus, just come to the Lord. Whew. So if we don't do that, we're playing right into what the devil wants. He knows it'll be postponed till the church wakes up. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you understand what I'm talking about? You're on your job and you're working with a guy that comes to work every day because he's an alcoholic. His wife wants to divorce him. He's got a girlfriend. It's a mess. You got to go to these people and say, listen, I got some good news for you. God can break that addiction. God can restore your marriage. That's the good news. Jesus came to do that. Instead, we, we, we just leave them. Well, they don't believe in Jesus anyway. Well, that's because you're not preaching to them. You got to tell them that Jesus came to give them back the dominion. God doesn't want anyone controlled by sin no one controlled by demons no one controlled by lack no one controlled by sickness and disease 
He doesn't want anything like that in your life. Now, when I first got saved, I didn't know half of what I know now. And I remember it was a Friday night. It was New Year's night. And I'd lost all my friends once I got saved because I had no more drugs for them to come over to the house to take. So they just got new friends. And so it was just me and my wife. It was New Year's. And she's laying on, on the bed there, and she starts shaking. Her cheeks start going in and out, and she's just vibrating. There's a demon on her. And I felt this presence come into our room. And I remember, I didn't know much. I said, well, the name of Jesus, the pastor said, the name of Jesus will cast out devils. And I remember turning to her, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, you leave this room right. I'm a baby Christian. I haven't been through class 101 or class 102 or class 103 or growth track. I haven't done any of that. I said, in the name of Jesus, that spirit lifted her. Her cheeks went back to normal. She hasn't been shaken since. Say amen, praise God. Amen. <laughs> That's the Jesus we serve. That's the Jesus we serve. I don't know if you understand this, but we put way too much faith in democracy. The kingdom is not a democracy. A democracy, you vote in things. You vote in a president. You vote in a new president. The majority decides what the laws are. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom, you got one king. You, don't, you can't vote God out. And, and you don't say, hey, by the way, we've been talking about it, Lord, the church here. We, we've got some other things. We don't think that that's wrong anymore. I know you said it was wrong, but we want to change that. He just laugh at you, praise God. He just laugh at you. But here's something to shout about. He is the king. Oh, no, no, let, me, let me say it this way. When you get born again, you become a child of God. You are joint heirs with Christ. You become a child of God. In the, you're, you're not a servant. No, no. You're a son of God. You remember the prodigal son? He, was, he took his inheritance, went out and squandered it, and he thought to himself, I'll just go back to my father. I'll be a servant for him, and I'll just do things for him. He went to the father. Would the father let him be a servant? No. He embraced him and said, you're my son. Put the ring on his finger. Put a robe on his head. Kill the fatted calf. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're in a family, a family, and it's not just a family of sons and daughters. These sons and daughters are kings. That's why the Bible said that he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. That's you. He's the king. Come on, church. Give God praise. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Come on, I want all the kings to stand up. Come on. Ladies, you're in the same group there. Come on. We're kings. Amen. Woo! Kings! Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.